Hello and welcome to the Renovation Church Podcast, where our vision is to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and change the world. My name is Mason Smith, and I'm the creative director here at Renovation Church. We are so thankful that you're joining this podcast today. We hope that today's message inspires you and draws you closer in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, enjoy the message. I know your hands are getting sore from clapping, but help me just celebrate one more time and praise God for what he's done. Wow, nine years. uh, There's times when it seems like um, just yesterday that Chelsea and I made the decision to start a new church. in some ways, time has flown by, which if you've got kids, you can understand that. Your life goes relatively slow until you have kids, and then all of a sudden, it just, it just speeds up so quickly. And so in one sense, that's how it feels, but in another, it seems like, you know, we have just done this forever, and, and that's kind of how it feels on the day-to-day, but in Chelsea and I, when we prayed about starting a new church, um, we never prayed one time. Um, that God would give us a huge church filled with a lot of people. And that never came out of our mouths, but we did pray that God would give us a church filled with faithful people. And we believe that he's done that. And that's why God has used this church, he's used you in so many ways, in so many ways. I mean, this year alone, after today, we've baptized 63 people in 2023 alone. And that's because, it's because of your faithfulness. I can assure you I've not led 63 people personally to the Lord this year, but every person that got baptized has a story about one of you that told them the good news about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Because you were willing to do your job, there's people that have been saved and are entering the kingdom of heaven and are stepping into their purpose because of you. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, Today, I wanted to take some time and tell you our story, how we began. And I want to do this today because uh, many of you, um, you're, you're fairly new. You've been here for a few months, maybe even a year or two. Uh, and so you've not been around since the beginning. And so I wanted to take just a little bit of time of um, a lot of honesty and transparency and, and let you know how all this began. And just to give you a behind the scenes look at just some of the ways that, that God has been involved um, from before this even started uh, before renovation, um, I was on staff at a very small country church close to here where I served as the student pastor and worship leader. And, and I'll go back to that time and say, even though the church was small, the ministry was incredibly fruitful. Um, I, I still look at those three years I had in that student ministry as some of the most fruitful years I've ever had in my ministry, even up until this time today. We saw so many students getting saved. We saw so many students getting baptized and plugged in and going to church, becoming a part of the body. Uh, it was really an incredible time of ministry, and I loved it there. I loved the city. I loved the community. And I didn't ever see myself leaving. Going to a, a bigger church was never on my radar. And yet in 2013, um, it was the, the summer of 2013, I, I take a time every year where I just slow down, I reevaluate, and I pray and I asked God really the same question. God is where I am still where you want me to be. And as I prayed that this year, 
Um, to be honest, what I expected was a spiritual pat on the back and a well done, good and faithful servant. You know, stay here, keep running your race. You're right where I want you to be. But instead of getting a spiritual pat on the back, I got more of like a spiritual kick in the butt. And God was like, okay, it's time for you to get up. Like, it's time for you to move. It's, it's time for you to do something new. And I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, I wasn't praying for that. And I, I, I would say that I don't, I don't think I've ever heard God audibly speak to me. Um, I've never had what I consider to be a, a prophetic dream. Um, God has never written a message for me on a wall. And yet, on this day as I was praying, I heard God more clearly than I ever have before in my life. And it's like he spoke to me in a still small voice, like a whisper, calling me to go out and to start a new church, which honestly, I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know anybody who had ever started a church. I didn't even know if you could start a new church. I didn't know if that was a thing, but I knew God was calling me to do it. And during that time of prayer, God brought me to a verse in Jeremiah 20, verse 11, that says, if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot do it any longer. And that was me that day. All of a sudden, I had this, this urgency, this burning passion to step into whatever it was God was calling me to step into, into this world of church planting. And so I left the youth room that day, and, and I was so excited, and, and, and I was filled with energy and passion and I came home and and Chelsea was there and we had our oldest daughter Naomi who was three and our youngest Lucy who was one and a half and I said she goes how was work today I said it was pretty good God told me we're done here and we need to start a church she said I don't think he did <laughs> and I said no I'm telling you he did. I, I read the verse and everything and I was like this will seal it. and she's like I still don't think this is what we're supposed to do and I said okay just pray about it for a few days. She's like, I'll pray about it, but I don't think I'm gonna change my mind about it. And I was like, that's fine, just pray. And a few days later, she came to me and she said, I think you're right. I think God is calling us to do this. And that really began our journey of this monumental calling of church planting. And I had no idea what that meant. I felt a lot like Abraham in the Old Testament. If you're not familiar with them, Abraham is one of our heroes of the faith in the Bible and towards the beginning of the Old Testament. His name was Abram. God later changed it to Abraham. And God spoke to him and he called Abraham to do something radical and unexpected as well. In Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Essentially, what God is telling him is you're gonna leave everything and you're gonna lose everything, but you're gonna gain everything in return. And then I love this next verse, what did Abraham do? So Abram departed as the Lord instructed. What we learn from this story is that often when God calls us to go, he won't give us a plan, a guarantee, or a 12-step program. And that's true of his followers back then, but it's still true of his followers today, of you and me. 
So often when we, when we read these stories and we think about these biblical heroes like Abraham, we don't think of the internal struggle that they were likely facing when God told them to do something. We don't really consider the anxiety or the fear that he must have felt. We don't see the insecurity or the doubt that might have been in his mind. We get to read it. We get to read the end of the story. We know what happens. We see how it turns out. But they didn't know. They had to take a step of faith. Now, fast forwarding to the New Testament, Paul, who was really wrote the majority of the New Testament, he was a missionary, a church planter, a pastor, an evangelist. He faced kind of this unknown steps of faith throughout his entire life of following Jesus. In fact, listen to what he said in Acts 20, verse 22. He said, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me. God will often tell you to go, but he'll rarely tell you why or even where, because that is where the faith comes in. Faith is the willingness to take the next step when you're unsure of the results of that action. And because of that, God's not going to rob you of faith by telling you the plan because he knows that if he told you the whole plan, you probably couldn't even handle the whole plan anyway. And in Paul's case, the certainty he did have was not the certainty he was looking for. He followed that up by saying, I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me that in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. There are things God is calling you to do that if you knew what it was, you might not be willing to do it. If you knew what it was gonna cost you, you might be less likely to take that step of faith. So we, there's that, that saying, ignorance is bliss. And, and ignorance is bliss, that doesn't really work well when you're trying to get a job, that doesn't work well when you're leading your family, that doesn't really work well when you're saving up for retirement. But when it comes to following Jesus, ignorance is bliss actually does make a little bit of sense when you're trying to follow God's plan for your life. When Chelsea and I started renovation, I had no idea what it would mean for my life. And if God told me to plant a church, and then if he went on to tell me all the hardships that we would face the next couple of years, I don't think I would have had the strength to do it. If he would have showed me what we would endure, I honestly do not believe that we would have had the faith. We went through church planting training in the fall of 2013 after we had decided this was what God was calling us to. And, and when we went through that training in, in that fall, um, we made the decision that we were going to take uh, the next year and we were going to try to uh, come up with a launch team. We were going to try to fundraise. We were going to try to think of a church name, uh, core values, vision, mission, all of those things. The only thing we knew was that we want to start a church. But unfortunately, um, our previous place found out that we went through that training and told us you have two months to be done. Now we found we lived in a parsonage during that time. Um, I was a youth pastor. We had one income. Chelsea stayed home with our children. And so we didn't have any money saved up. And all of a sudden, our plans were absolutely demolished. And we were just kind of thrown into the deep end. We left that church on Sunday, February 3rd of 2014. And it was the next Sunday, February 9th, that Chelsea and I started a Bible study. And our first study met in Hazel's Coffee Shop when it was still um, right there off of the belt. 
And uh, in the first meeting, uh, we showed up and we had, it was as professional as we could make it. We had our binders and we had our papers and we had our plan and, you know, kind of like a, this sales pitch for trying to get people involved in, in this new church. And, and on that Sunday night, nine people showed up and we're like, okay, we can work with nine people. That's pretty good. I don't want to be boastful, but nine's a lot. The next Sunday, we're like, we've kind of outgrown Hazel's Coffee Shop. And so um, Frederick Boulevard Baptist Church has an area called the Atrium. And they said, well, you can use this area for a few months. So the first Sunday, we had nine. Our second Sunday, we show up. We had six. We were a dying church. Week two, our membership was like a third of them were just gone. They came that first week. They're like, I don't even want to be a part of this. But we just tried to stay the course. We just try to remain faithful, knowing like, okay, God called us to this, and God doesn't make mistakes. And we didn't hear God wrong. After Chelsea and I left that church, we didn't have a place to live. We didn't have any money. We didn't have an income. And so she grew up going to a camp um, down in Rushville called, called God's Mountain. A, a lot of you might know of that. You maybe went to camp there as a, a child or teenager. You know, maybe you're still going today if you're a student. And, uh, and so Chelsea knew that the guy there, Johnny Williams, who's still a good friend of ours today, he found out that we were starting this church and we didn't have a place to go. And so he, he called me one day and he said, hey, this might not be what you're looking for, but I've got a single wide trailer down by the railroad tracks and you can stay there for free. I'm not gonna charge you rent. You won't have to pay utilities. You can just you know, stay here till you get on your feet and, and can really just take some time. And so Chelsea and I, we, we moved in there and literally if a train went by, the whole place would shake and rumble and like you'd see in the movies. And the, the hallway was single file. And, uh, and so we moved in and uh, there was two, two bedrooms, um, the master bedroom, and that, that sounds very generous. It's <laughs> the little bit, few inch bigger room. Uh, we put both of our girls in there, and then Chelsea and I, uh, we took the, the smaller bedroom. And the night we moved in, uh, it, was, it was so cold, it was snowing, it was icing, and because of that, the pipes froze, and the water heater that was in the girls' closet burst and flooded their room. And so that night, the, the girls, they went in to sleep with Chelsea, and I was like, I'll just I'll sleep on the couch, and, um, and I will never forget sitting there that night, and as, as I was sitting there, there were huge cracks in the door, snow was coming in, there was a little hole in the ceiling, snow was falling in there, and I sat there, and I wept, and I was like, what have I done? I have made one of the biggest mistakes of my entire life, because now my calling isn't just affecting me, it's affecting my family. It was a hard time in our life. If God had shown me that, I don't think I would have stepped out in faith, to be honest. A couple of months later, I remember um, I was working at Red Lobster and I was working the lunch shift. And so I'd drive 35 minutes in and make like $18 and half of that went to gas. And we're, I had to borrow a vehicle from my parents because we didn't, you know, couldn't afford one. And I remember one day I had a change jar. And uh, we emptied it out and there was like 11 or 12 bucks after we counted it. And we're like, well, gotta get our kids some food today. And so, you know, we took that change and, and there's nothing like going to a grocery store and just using like dimes and quarters and nickels. Like some of you have been there, you're there now, you understand what that means. 
and that was like for our kids, but we didn't have really anything for us. So I remember in one of my most humiliating, embarrassing moments of my life, sneaking up to the camp kitchen at night and getting a little bit of food because we just didn't have any. And I was so embarrassed because, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy, I'm a man, and I can't provide for my family. And some of you guys in here, like, you understand the hardship that that, that brings, like, you can feel that. And it was, it was, it was one of my lowest moments of my life. And if God had showed me that, I don't think I would have stepped out in faith. During this first months, I faced spiritual warfare so intense that it had physical impacts on my body and my emotional health. And, and I had to face the stigma of mental health among Christians. And, and I began secretly taking anxiety medicine because I was afraid if the Christians around me found out, they'd question my spiritual strength and faith and resolve. If God had showed me that, I don't think I would have stepped out in faith. I had people tell me that what I was doing to my family was not wise. Closest friends we had told us we heard God and needed to quit. If God had showed me the whole plan, every step of faith that I'd have to take, I don't think I would have had the strength to do it. But God knew I had the faith to take one step. Not 30 or 40 or 50. He knew I could handle one step at a time. And that's just what we did. We stepped out in faith. And then we took another step, and then another step, and here we are nine years later, and every day, it's still a step of faith. Maybe God is doing the same thing in your life right now. Maybe he's calling you to do something radical. Maybe he's calling you to take a step of faith. Maybe that's the faith to step out and try to restore a relationship or a marriage that you think is broken beyond repair. Maybe that's to take a step of faith and to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead so that you can be saved. Maybe that's the faith like, like those 11 have had today to step out and say, I wanna I want be baptized. Like, I don't want a private faith. I wanna live my faith out publicly. I wanna show the world who I am. Maybe God is calling you to take a step of faith and maybe it's time to stop waiting for God to give you the entire plan and to decide to step out in faith, to just move. Going back to Genesis chapter 12, God told Abram to pack up and I wanna read this, this verse four again. It's so significant. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. I don't want you to miss the significance of those eight words. See, Abram, he didn't bargain with God. He didn't offer God a better plan. He just simply did what God told him to do. All he had was a one-step plan from God and a promise, and that was good enough for him. And in this time and culture, family and land and possessions were everything. Like you were defined based on where you lived and what your family did, but he was willing to leave all of that behind and just to go. That's the modern day equivalent of you quitting your job, your career in 40 years, getting a moving truck, packing up and just saying, we're driving west. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what our destination's gonna be. I don't know what we're gonna do when we get there, but that's what we're gonna do because that's what God called us to. You would think that that was crazy, and yet that's what Abraham did. We talk about surrender a lot as a church. We talk a lot about giving Jesus control of our lives and, and say, well, God, I'm gonna do what you want me to do. I'm gonna go where you want me to go. But then when God calls us to do something, we get surprised and we're like, well, God, you're kind of messing with my life here. You're messing with my dreams and I've got plans and, and this is my life. 
And God's like, um, no, it's not. Your life was bought with a price. What did you think that meant? For you and I, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you can't say, well, there's this line in the sand, and God, this is where I'm going to go to, but I'm not going to go any further. It's not how it works. That's not what radical obedience is. That's not surrender. And anything less than complete surrender really isn't surrender at all. I'm going to point you to one more scripture, something Paul said in 1 Corinthians. It's, it's one of my favorite passages in the entire New Testament. It's one of my favorite things that Paul ever said because it's filled with so much uncertainty. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I'm coming to visit you after I've been to Macedonia for I'm planning to travel through Macedonia. Perhaps I'll stay a while with you, possibly all winter, and then you can send me on my way to my next destination. This time, I don't want to just make it a short visit and then go right on. I want to come and stay a while if the Lord will let me. <laughs> there's a lot of unknowns in what he's saying there, isn't there? Like, there's not a clear sense of direction. To some people, that would be irresponsible. To some people, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Imagine, uh, Drew, <laughs> imagine you invited me over for dinner tomorrow night. And you're like, hey, Kyle, you and Chelsea want to come hang out? And, and you've done this before, by the way, and we've bailed. But you're like, hey, you want to come over for dinner? And I said, Drew, I'm planning on coming to dinner. Perhaps I can make it. Perhaps I can't. If I can make it, I'll stay a while, possibly the whole dinner. And I'll be there a while if the Lord lets me before going wherever it is I'm going next. You'd be like, uh, is that a yes or a no? Like, I don't really understand what you're saying. That's what Paul's saying, though. When it comes to following God, he's like, I can't tell you what I'm going to do. I can't tell you how long I'm going to be there. I can't tell you the plans because I don't know the plans. Now, if, if, if this, this is almost irresponsible. It almost sounds like Paul doesn't have his life together. However, when God calls you to go somewhere or do something, you don't always have to have an answer to everyone around you about what that is. You're going to encounter resistance, not just from Satan, our spiritual enemy. You might even experience resistance from the people around you. But I've had to learn, don't worry about what other people think. You just worry about what God said. You just worry about how maybe people will think that it's weird that you're doing whatever it is that you're doing. Maybe people will think that it's weird that you're taking this Jesus thing so seriously. To the world and to the lukewarm Christian, radical obedience is weird. It doesn't make any sense. Don't be afraid to be weird when it comes to following Jesus because if the world is normal, I don't want normal. I mean, look around. Normal's not working out so well. Be willing to be different. Be willing to be a little bit weird in your decision to follow Jesus. When we told family and friends we were quitting our job to start a new church, we encountered all kinds of questions that we didn't have the answer to. When's this church going to start? I don't know. How are you going to make money and pay your bills and provide for your family? I don't know that either. Why did you choose St. Joe instead of a beach? I don't know. Like, this is what God told us to do. This is where God told us to be. And that's why, that's why we're here. That's what, this is what we do. We didn't have an answer to a lot of people's questions. We just had a calling. And we just took a step of faith. And it didn't matter what other people thought. It only mattered what God said. And I'm so glad we chose to believe the promise of God instead of listening to the opinion of people. Because I cannot imagine if we said, no, God, it's too hard. 
It's too much. The cost is too great. God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was getting ready to build. And he's not done building it yet. Like Chelsea and I are still as all in today as we were nine years ago. And I'm not just saying this. I truly believe that the best is yet to come. And we cannot fathom or expect or dream what God is getting ready to do. It's like we've just experienced the appetizer and we're getting ready to move on to the main course. And we want you to be a part of it and God wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to be all in with the local church. Today, I told you my story, but maybe today it's time for your story to begin. Would you stand this morning? Today, I'm calling you to make an all-in kind of decision. And if you're ready to take a step of faith, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, if you're ready to be baptized, today you can live with a purpose and you can make a difference in the city and in this world. Come on, if you're all in, can you just lift up a little bit of a shout of praise today? Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church Podcast. If you'd like to support Renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com slash give. It's because of your faithful and consistent generosity that we're able to continue ministries like this all across the world. If you'd like to learn more about Renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com. If you enjoyed today's message, then we'd encourage you to share it with family and friends. Thank you again for joining us and God bless.